Welcome to Love in the Time of Corona, a podcast that explores love, dating, and staying sane during a pandemic. I'm Alexa. And I'm Devin. So buckle up. So before we start, um, I do want to give everyone a quick nipple update. And of course, we're talking about Andrew Cuomo's nipples, which are most definitely pierced. Um, If you're tuning in for the first time, I have been heavily investigating recent pictures of Andrew Cuomo at a press conference where he clearly has his nipples pierced. Luckily, there are journalists who do investigative research for me, notably a wonderful (laughs) article in uh, New York Magazine by Olivia Nuzzi. Thank you, Olivia. That's such a Um, great name. Also, it is a great name. That journalist name. Wow. I yeah. I like a short Italian last name, uh, like Cuomo. She wrote this great article, and um, the thing that really stuck out to me was that she actually reached out to Sandra Lee uh, regarding Andrew Cuomo's nipples piercing because in 2017 he was at a press conference wearing a white shirt and you did not see anything. So she reached out and she addressed this live on Instagram. Body shaming is not okay. It's never going to be okay. And when people are out on the front lines working so hard for all of our benefits to turn around and body shame, shame on you. Knock it off. Do something to uplift people and make the world a better place. Don't take cheap shots that are unnecessary. Anyway, I hope you all have a great day and think about that for a little while. What do you think about that? Are we sure that wondering whether or not he has a nipple ring is body shaming? Because personally, I'm excited by the idea that Andrew Cuomo has a nipple ring. It makes me think he's even cooler and has nothing to do with any sort of shaming. I just want to know because that would like knock him up at least three or four notches on the cool governor rankings. Yeah, I mean... I don't think there was anything wrong with it, but I think that what she said was like a clear indication that yes, his nipples are pierced. True. And was trying to give us a virtual guilt trip on Instagram. It wasn't a straight up denial because she just could have said, no way he wouldn't have that. Instead, you know, she does what every good Jewish mother does and um, makes you feel like a piece of shit through guilt. (laughs) And, like, it seeps deep, deep into your soul. But this uh, wonderful journalist, my friend Olivia, uh, reached out to Dan Savage, who I love and has a great podcast Uh, called The Savage Love Cast. Again, if you want a good advice podcast, check that out. Um, And he said, those are definitely tit rings, quote. And there have been a lot of articles about this since that infamous white polo. But in the end, it really doesn't matter if he has his nipples pierced. I just think it's funny, and I would like him more if he did. I think we should have a Cuomo update every week. I think we should. And if he goes away and we get a confirmation, we can just have a nipple update, because I'm really just interested in your ongoing adventures with sexualizing the male nipple, and I'm sure the more I think Me about too. it, I'll have things to say. And nipples are important, and they should have a space on they the should. waves. So, Alexa, what have you been doing this week? Well, I've been very busy between 
uh, my manic cleanings of the bookshelves and color coding them and cooking as much as Mrs. Patmore, a Downton Abbey reference for anyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been exercising. There we go. You know, I decided, thank you, I decided if I'm going to loaf around all day, I need like 40 minutes of moving my body. Mm -hmm. um, also, it's giving me opportunity to work on my summer 2021 bod. <laughs> it's never too early. It's truly. No, it's never too early. And I just heard that our governor is most likely keeping the beaches closed or the shore closed, as we say in New Jersey. Yeah. He's closing I mean, the shore? Well, it's not going to open. You know, it makes sense because it'll just be, it'll be like a Bacchanal if they uh, yeah. open it. People are going to go wild. So it hasn't been decided, but I think it does make sense if he doesn't open the beaches, which is tragic, but it's giving me more time to exercise. It's true. Let's see how long I can keep this up for. Usually yeah. running I can do for a week, but I actually like these workout videos that I do. So I like it. I'm on I'm on week three of my reinvigorated running and workout routine. I used to be a really big runner and I just I remember that. Yeah. And I just haven't done as much of it in the last year because working with children exhausts me. But um, the bonus is that I have this long, t well, now long-term chronic pain thing that if I don't move, I'm in more pain. So it's inspiring me to move. I can't be too lazy, but it's good. I've been running and working wow, out. Wow. If I, if I had closed my eyes and I heard long-term pain, I would have thought you were a 75-year-old man. Well, you know, I have had the back and body of a 75-year-old man for about eight years now. So, you know. Yeah, my back. I understand. My back is pretty rancid. We're settling in for the long haul. Well, also, I've been having this problem. I don't know how to, like, delete cookies off of my phone because I have been – I have a Google alert for um, adult Moana pajama set <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's really unfair that all the pajamas are made for little kids. I, I really want... – I just have to say, when you were talking about deleting cookies and then you paused after adult on your – um, reminders, I really didn't know where we were going. <laughs> it was like, are, is Alexa going down some hardcore porn ordering line? But um, Moana wasn't what all, I expected. You know, for I'm I'm sure Moana porn is a kink. Um, oh my. <laughs> no, I, I just like the movie. And the way Lin-Manuel Miranda says chain in that song, it, it gives me joy. It fuels my soul. No, but I really, I find it unfair that all of the kids get the cute pajamas and the adults are left stranded. Like, the only Disney pajamas that I can find are, like, Mickey and Minnie. And they are so blasé. They are. I want, I, I want Moana on my boobs. And I want, <laughs> uh, who, who's the chicken? Hey, hey. I even oh know. Man, you just really need a cock, don't you, Alexa? <laughs> I'm actually, I'll give you that. That was funny. That was kind of funny. Um, but I don't know how to get rid of these cookies because now on my Instagram, like the advertisements, my feed is all little girls in Disney. And like, like just advertising for like Disney pajamas, which I'm not interested in because they're not for adults. So I don't know how to delete my cookie. Talking about old lady, I don't know how to delete the cookies from my phone. <laughs> like does. Instagram, like make it go away. I feel like my mother who's like, Alexa, 
do my Zoom call. She just doesn't get it. I, I don't know how to do the cookies. Well, we all knew you would turn into your mother sooner or later. And I mean, if this is all? what it took. But, well, I hope that you figure that out. And when you get your Moana boobs settled, we'll make sure to put it on the Instagram feed. But uh, before we go any further down that tangent, because we will return to Disney later in this podcast, everyone, so buckle up. Um, we today in our episode want to talk about how we both first discovered conceptions of sex and romance and kind of what our story in terms of where we were to where I we are now. <laughs> well, we'll educate Alexa today get in my teacher mode I never wanted to teach sex ed and starting now <gasps> seems a little late but that is my dream I want to have a whole sex ed revolution that's another story I want to embarrass kids in fifth grade quick tangent they we started doing like family planning right and our teacher would just scream penis or vagina randomly to get us used to those words and of course I would always laugh Naturally. Um, yeah. And she said to me, because it was like me and a few of the boys laughing. And she said, one day, like, you're going to grow out of this. I, I still have it. <laughs> Some words are just funny. Penis is a funny word. Sorry. Okay. It is a I'm funny done. word. Um, I would like to, to mention that now that Alexa has gone on multiple tangents, she, she told me off mic that we should keep this one short. <laughs> And so officially, if we go over, let it be stated on the record, it was because penis is a funny word. Um, but speaking about penis being a funny word, Alexa, where did you first come across sex? It was a dark and stormy night many, many lunar moons ago. Um, well, once I realized that sex wasn't spooning, which took me longer than I think most, I really just thought it was cuddling. And honestly, sometimes I wish it were. You know, I think it was just like a lifelong, not lifelong, puberty plus process of understanding like what it means um, more and more. I mean, as I spoke about last episode, John Corbett woke me up a little bit to mm. like the opposite sex is like being attracted. That John Corbett, the sexual awakening we all wish we had. I mean, John Corbett and my big fat Greek wedding getting baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church in the baby pool with his greasy hair. Oh, my God. But the real kind of, like, not awakening, but the real kind of moment I think I understood what it was more was watching True Blood, which oh. for, for those of you who have not watched it, it's a wonderful HBO show about vampires and werewolves and the guy who's Sofia Vergara's husband, Joe something, who's extremely good looking, was the werewolf clan leader. And he was so hot. And Alexander Skarsgård is kind of like this mysterious vampire. You can't beat it. So I used to watch that show as a teenager. And I was like, hmm, although I lack superhuman abilities, uh, this is interesting. <laughs> Yeah. So you just like your sex with a side of bodily harm and bloodletting? Bloodletting's pretty intense. <laughs> I get a paper cut and I'm like. <laughs> uh, How about you, Devin? I mean, I was a really sheltered child in a lot of ways. Um, 
as because your parents were therapists because my parents were therapists this is devin's explanation for everything in everything his life. i going. mean yeah there's a great philip larkin poem that goes your mom and dad they fuck you up they don't mean to but they do and I love my parents, um, but the, the poem holds true. But anyway, um, I was only allowed to watch PBS and TV land <laughs> for most of my childhood. And I'm sorry, but uh, Caillou is not going to give me a hard-on at any point in my life. Really? That youth bald head? No, it just really doesn't do it for me. Um, Fair. It's okay. But I will say watching TV land with things like Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie, and you would see this kind of 50s housewife model in just tighter clothing you would start being like oh what is this but really i think i found um my first sexual awakening characters interestingly enough for wait somebody. so you i'm sorry you like your woman domesticated that's what i'm hearing you know as a six-year-old maybe <laughs> um i'd like to think i've grown from that point um but you know interesting enough for somebody who studies media now my really early sexual awakening characters were all book characters um mm. Mostly from two in particular, for anyone who's read Aragon, even if you haven't read it, it's the book that was everywhere for a long time with the blue dragon on the front. Um, there's an elf character in there na named Arya, who I remember reading this book when I was in like third grade, and then the series that went out from that, and Aragon... Elves, elves is going down a bad path, I my know. friend. Let me... I'm going to turn that ship around before we turn get it, anywhere Turn weird. it around, because I'm starting to sweat. Because it was just, it was the first book I had read where a protagonist was falling in love with someone in a way where I, I also was like, oh, this person seems attractive. She's this really intelligent, really athletic character who kicks his ass. And I was like, this is interesting. Um, and then their relationship grows as the series goes on as I was kind of growing up, which was the same for Pendragon, which is a great series that nobody reads anymore, and I'm actually upset nobody ever turned it into a TV series. So HBO, come at me. I'll write you a pilot. Um, but there's this paragraph where Bobby Pendragon, the lead, is making out with the girl of his dreams before he gets pulled Classic. off on this adventure. And I remember reading this, and it's just like teenage detail of making out. And as a 12-year-old, 11-year-old, I was like, whoa. And I have this very vivid memory of sitting in my friend's bedroom when we had all read it. And this is like read aloud with friends is not a thing that happens often when um, you're 12 no. or 11. And just him reading this out loud and all just being like, whoa. Um, and of course, then in the next couple of years, they all went on to do wild things. And I was sitting there with my books um, still thinking about that so paragraph. I, I just picture like... I just picture four kind of tweens, and I do want to bring back that word tween, just like I want to bring back the word scort. Anyway, like four tweens kind of reading this book, all getting curious about what this is going on. Did did everyone take a passage? Did everyone take a sentence? No, it was just syllable. One, one guy was reading it, and then the rest of the three of us were sitting on the floor listening. Fantasizing. It's very odd, you know? I'm not much of a group guy when it comes to that sort of thing. So, mm. but you know, we all have to try. So that yeah. that was me. I think really, it, book characters were a big part of it. Yeah, I didn't have a True Blood. Um, I'm sorry that I'm not as exciting as your bloody bloody beauty. That's okay. Well, I partly didn't, you know, read books because I didn't know how. So, <laughs> so Devin. Thank you for enlightening us about your semi 
circle jerk, Pendragon <laughs> experience. How did your conceptions of love form? Um, I, you know, that the boy that was sitting on the ground when his friends were then much quicker to going from the page into real life. Um, I was a slow bloomer, not because of lack of interest, but um, I was a large child who was never really at ease with himself. And I think a lot of that comes from whatever cultural issues with masculinity you get as a young boy when you're growing up. Um, Mm. I was not, like I played sports, but I was not overly athletic. I really liked my piano. I liked the books. Um, I liked things that weren't necessarily coded incredibly masculine in terms of what we expect from a overall society. And God bless my parents were both incredible in terms of never pressuring any sort of cultural expectation on me in that way. Uh, my we dad's, love that. My dad's incredible with that. But I think that, so for me, I did a lot of watching in terms of seeing my friends being in relationships. Um, yeah. But I think something that was super formative and that is now, I think, probably import, an important part of us doing this is that I always had a lot of female friends because that started with my mom's friends mostly had daughters. Um, and so in just some way, I think I got normalized to interacting with young boys and young girls in terms of friendship. So it just like felt very normal, but that jump from friendship to romance, I just was like, I didn't know how to ask people out at a And dance. now you're so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and now... <laughs> and now it's all I do. Now, like, now this is your shtick. See, it didn't matter that you were a chubby kid because it was just prepping you for your MO now. Falling into serial monogamy happened real fast. And I think part of that was because a lack of self-confidence where I was like, oh my God, somebody likes me. I, yeah. need, to, I need to jump on that because no one else will. Um, and I don't think that really changed until the end of high school into college. And I still struggle with it a lot, but I think that I've been able to conceive of myself in a more positive way and realize that I do have a lot to offer and to bring to the table and also start yes, to think of myself as attractive because that, that took a long time. I oh was a gosh. cave Here troll we go. in my eyes for most of my life, but um, I'll leave it there. I'm not going to go tangent on us. Nobody needs to hear about my evolving <laughs> sense of self. That'll probably happen at some point when I cry on an episode, but not today. Um, so yeah, yeah I, think I prohibit that. It's too early in the run for my tears. But yeah, and I just think that the sense of love and romance that I've come up to now is just one that is so much focused on wanting someone who is a, a partner in crime to some extent, who I can go yeah. to, who I can talk to. And I think that that idea of love being this passionate um, sexual thing, but also about just being able to like sit on the couch and do a crossword or talk about a movie. And I like that a lot. Um, and I've been a lucky companion. That. Yeah, a companion. So it's not me circle jerking to a young adult book ever again in my life. So that I think that's me in a nutshell. But how about you? What what happened with you? Like you, I was also a chubby kid, although you love to see it. I don't have a complex about it. Um, <laughs> wow. I you know I actually like had no idea that I was chubby or funny looking. 
or that I was wearing sweater sets that belonged on middle-aged women that my mother insisted uh, <laughs> clothing me. I mean, it's my picture day pictures are unreal. My, I guess, complex or my shtick is that I'm tall and that I've always been, I've always been the tall person in every class, like smack dab in the middle of every class picture, like Dora column, standing Dora out. <laughs> and I remember in middle school, like, you know, in fifth grade, the girls start kind of getting more attractive to the boys mm-hmm. and people start dating each other. And in middle school, this continues and, you know, clicks form, whatever. I never received any male attention. Mm. I was always friends with the boys. I was a real tomboy. Um, but then I, like, started wanting to get male attention, I, I guess. I mean, looking back on it, it was like, looking at seventh grade boys, you're like, Jesus. But, you know, it was something that everyone else was doing, but I was so much taller than everyone else. And I remember my mom saying to me one day, it's because you're taller than the boys they are not interested in mm. you because like it scares them and they're still going through puberty, whatever. But the problem is, is that I'm still taller than the boys. <laughs> you are tall. I am. I'm the average height of a man. And I think a lot of, I mean, everyone tells me a lot of men are intimidated by that because short and cute are synonymous like all of my short Mm. friends are like if we go out to a club my yearly outing if i'm you know heavily persuaded it's so interesting (laughs) to see like the attention that my short friends get and then i'm usually just standing in the back i did do a crossword puzzle at a club in new york and i was sitting there and like these three guys came up to me asking if i wanted to dance and it was a Wednesday puzzle, and I was almost done. And I was very proud of myself, so I was not. <laughs> but Oh, that's a great take. That's a but, great take. Yeah. But I think being tall kind of made me, um, I don't know, it made me kind of like weirdly independent. Because still, it's something that I definitely like feel, I definitely perceive as like a real thing that, can harm my dating it i mean it hasn't it hasn't but i do think there's something there um which is why when i'm like 40 i'm just gonna have a kid by myself and i'll be able to give it my last name and not have to deal with you know the patriarchy (laughs) i should have good no my last name last names as a hyphenated child it's a a wild ride out there yeah so if you just do yourself you don't have to deal with that but um and we have a tall kid too but you know i really do like my height and i wouldn't change my height but it definitely being tall definitely is a thing definitely and i can i mean to bring the male perspective or the comment on the male perspective. We need to have like um, an intro music for the male perspective. perspective. <laughs> we'll, we'll get a little a little ring in for can it. Can it? Can the male? Can the male perspective bit also mansplain? <laughs> Devin, can you do your best to mansplain my height to me? Oh no, I don't want to do that. Can you? While I sip my iced coffee. 
I was just going to say, I have never gotten the anxiety complex that guys get over being shorter. Having dated people who were taller than me and shorter than me, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like, if you're yeah, that fragile about your height, just get the fuck over it. Or date, like, really short women. Like, and when I see these short women, like, fun size, which is what I refer to women under five foot three and under. <laughs> if you are fun size, don't be dating a guy who's six foot four. When I see that, I am, like, I, I am enraged because you should be dating someone who's, like, 5'10", if you're 5'3". That's mm-hmm. seven inches difference. That is plenty you do not need to be taking away from my stockpile. But would you want to date a guy who was tall enough but who also had only been dating short women because he was too fragile to date someone his height? I feel like if you're six foot four, though, you're really not running into that problem. True. True. But you never know. Everyone. Everyone short. You never know. So I have the I was fat complex. You have the I'm still tall complex. Yeah. That's who we are. Um I am curious, thinking about this sort of development, as we have talked a lot about in our um, off-mic conversations about movies, do you think that rom-coms ever became a part of your conception of yourself and of romance? Well, besides, you know, the ongoing fantasy that Nora Ephron is going to direct my life, or she is directing my life, and this is all a simulation, which is what I really hope it is. I would love that. Oh, my God. I would love to wake up and, like, come out of some, you know, cocoon and Nora Ephron saying, thank you for your brain. This was just, I just needed, you know. Yeah. What if it's, what if it's like, story. The, what if it's like the Truman Show? Yeah. That was a little nefarious. Well, yeah, uh, that was awful. But, I mean, it could be fun. Yeah, maybe something along, yeah, something along those lines. But I want her to be in it because I know that she wouldn't, you know, really take advantage of me. Um, You know, I do watch rom-coms. I always have and I still do with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. I find the happy endings, like the immediate happy endings to be frustrating because nothing really turns out that way. On the other hand, it is fun to briefly watch a world where happy things like do happen. and (laughs) Yes people who are together get to be together yes um moonstruck baby moonstruck but you know then you know i watch something like sliding doors where gwyneth paltrow with a terrible british accent like running for the tube in london and in one scenario makes it and the other scenario doesn't and you see these parallel universes and you know the love interest is kind of a goofy looking scottish man but we don't care we love the accent and You've had your fair share of goofy-looking Scottish men. Well. <laughs> For a later but, podcast. Anyway, continue. <laughs> that took me off guard. That was funny. Um, like, do I run like a crazy woman for the subway? Yes. Always. When I was in Athens, in New York, back when subways were running. And, of course, we could go out in public. But it was a thing. I was like, huh, maybe if I make the subway... My life will become totally different. Um, but in New York, that really just means standing next to some crazy person 
you know, eating chicken wings. Yes and no, but I, I do love a rom-com. See, I, I've always been curious because I didn't really start watching rom-coms until I was in my late teens. Just because it wasn't a genre that my parents were super into. But, like, the movies I watched, one of my most important movies in my life is Casablanca. And spoiler oh, yeah. alert for everyone who hasn't seen it. Um, that ends with just a you... giving up of love in a sort of oh, way. I, I thought you were going to tell them how it ended. I was like, are you a monster? <laughs> they have to go through the emotional roller coaster. That yeah. is that film. I mean, I'm not going to get into all of the intensity of it, but go watch it. Um, so that and then The Way We Were. Another one with Barbra Streisand and Robert Redford is another, like, tragic romance. And those mm-hmm. were two early movies at a time when, you know, throughout of high school, I had only been broken up with. I had never broken up with someone. So tragic romance seemed relatable. Um, but rom-coms happened later, and now I love them. I've been obsessing over Moonstruck, as we talked about last time. And I didn't tell you, I didn't tell you my new Olympia Dukakis story. Did I? You you didn't. Ah, okay. So those who don't know, Limpy Dukakis was in Moonstruck, won an Oscar for her performance. She's incredible. Another reason to go watch it. But I was talking about Moonstruck with a college friend, and she was talking about how her and her family had watched it, and then they had suggested to her brother that he should watch it with his girlfriend. And unbeknownst to them, he was planning to propose to his girlfriend. Um, Cute. And... Long story short, they watched the movie. He proposed in the conversation after his girlfriend, who was an actress, was talking about how she was in a production of The Tempest with Olympia Dukakis, which is cool enough already. Yeah. But they were choreographing something, and this woman accidentally punched Olympia Dukakis in the face (laughs) on stage. What? Wait, during the show? No, during rehearsal, thankfully. Oh, my God. Um... But it was a whole to-do. But it would be, again, phenomenal if that was it. But it doesn't end there because on this woman's 21st birthday, Olympia Dukakis played beer pong with her. Oh, my God. Which is the dream, I think. So I'm still jealous of you having had dinner with Olympia Dukakis, but I might be more jealous of somebody having played beer pong with Olympia Dukakis. Yeah, I am more jealous of someone who played beer pong with Olympia Dukakis. It doesn't surprise me that she took getting punched in the face like a real hero because <laughs> she you know, she's an amazing woman. She's so fierce and feisty and and smart and was just like a thrill to talk to. But that is wild. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I would let I her would... win. Cuz I would desperately no, want if... her to like me because if I punched again... her in the face. Well, yeah, true. <laughs> holy cow that's crazy yes so that that's that my is... Dukakis story um thank you for that that's something for me to think about when I'm up at midnight so I guess before we go further into rom-coms and completely derail this podcast if this is our narrative in terms of how sex and romance has worked how do you see quarantine and this experience changing how you see things or do you think it will um i see myself entering a a long dry spell (laughs) i don't want to date i don't want to talk to anyone who 
I don't know. I feel like now we should only be talking to people who, to quote Marie Kondo, spark joy in our lives. I'm like, what am I going to talk about with a stranger on the internet? It's not even like I can go see them, which is why we're having guests on the show who are doing online dating and like video dates because I am just, listen, maybe in like six months and if this is going to be, if this is going to be our new normal for like years, fine. But right now, I'm very content reorganizing my whole house before I consider talking to a stranger on the internet. And and again, like I'm gonna have to put makeup on if I do a video call. I, I don't even know where my makeup is. <laughs> I'm really just seeing this time as a time for like me personally to take a break. And plus, I love an excuse to take a break from dating. So you really do. I do. Because then I, I don't have to put in any effort. So <laughs> So I'm going to leave the dating up to you and to our guests. That's fair. I mean, I will say Again, I will say yeah. for me to answer my own question and take over as I do sometimes. Having a had a breakup right before all of this started put me in a really weird headspace for this time coming in. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's also, I mean, I'm too good at self-reflecting and self-analyzing myself. It's its a black hole. Oh my God. But at the same time, some of it has been really nice. Um, I To shout out a podcast that I have been listening to and loving, um, this offshoot of Armchair Expert called Monica and Just Love Boys. Um, just finished mm, they told me about that. and I'm really sad that it finished because it was incredible and they had some great guests on and it was actually really helpful for me in this kind of post breakup mode of thinking about me and what I want yeah I mean we'll see I don't really foresee myself going on virtual dates um, oh you are but it will probably happen for this show um, yeah. and as we know coming up a future episode will be Alexa and a guest one of my other best female friends working on making me an online dating profile which will be a wild ride for all of us um but that'll be my first foray yeah i've been thinking about thank you for using the word foray i mean wow um english teacher man i've been thinking a lot about a bio for you but that's something we're going to discuss the next episode and and as i previously stated i am the backseat driver in all of this i <laughs> i I am going to, well, you're going to drive us off the cliff. I will. And I'm going to pretend like I have control, but I don't. Yeah. I'm Because go... I'm just going to be phantom breaking. <laughs> will you use your hands, too, to phantom break? Of course. I want the Do full you know, experience. Absolutely. That's how my grandma does it. You got a foot in hand at the same time. It's really unbelievable. I love it. It'll make me yeah. feel better when we're hurtling towards the waves that you really tried and put your full effort in. Because I, I know I that's will. hard for you. And to think that you tried to save us will mean something. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saying it now from the beginning. I'm going to try. Yeah, so our future episodes, we're going to make Devin a Tinder. And we are going to talk to guests who are doing the unthinkable and are going on online dates. Because we are fascinated, truly. Oh, yeah. I want to know about everything. Just like what do you do when a stranger pops up on your computer? 
how do you end the date? What happens if you have to pee? There are so you know, many questions. All of these things. I'm do you wear headphones? Is it going to ruin your hair? All of these things I'm curious about. Our guests are going to answer on next week's episode. Yes, and we're sure that you are curious too. So if you have questions you want us to ask our friends who are going on these dates, write in and we will throw them in. Um, and so you can follow us on Instagram and email us at the show email. All of this is in the uh, Instagram bio. So thank you for tuning in to Love in the Time of... Corona! See you next week. Bye. Bye.